Was it hard to get George started? No. One evening, I was just sitting here. I picked up one of these pencils. Before I knew it, it was middle of the night, and I'd written 16 pages without a single scratch out. It was like George just woke up, started to talk. You'll, uh, forgive me for noting, but these behaviors could be interpreted as classic symptoms of schizophrenia. Yes, I'll forgive you for noting that. I don't think George would, though. I don't think George would like any of this, Mr. Donaldson. This isn't George's idea of a fun morning. In fact, I think it's safe to say that George would want to have your balls for breakfast. Listening to the Buzzed Kill Podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. It is episode 116. Welcome to the Buzzed Kill Podcast, where today's episode is Twin Freaks. Not to be confused with Twin Peaks. The the adult establishment. <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, yes. I've never been there. <laughs> Neither have I. We've always talked about going for somebody's birthday. It mm. would make sense to probably go for Brian's uh, birthday because he's the biggest fan of... of, of uh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. They don't even have to be nice, nice looking. He just likes them all. Yeah. <laughs> he just... <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. No uh, judgment. I don't think your mic's on, Jay. Oh, Jay. 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 Where are you, my Where man? Where are you? Uh, Let me hear that smooth uh, voice. Let me hear it. Feel the phantom power <laughs> kicking on. There he is. Anyway, I'm Mike. I'm Jim. I can't, oh, wait, I can't. Well, it's back on again. <laughs> I'm Justin. <laughs> Those little lip smackings he just did were pretty, pretty gross. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, we got our we got our beers. We got our industrial sized tube of uh, lotion here. So we do. We're gonna have a good night, boys. We yes, do. sir. Uh, speaking of good nights and good weeks, what have you? What have you guys been up to? Um, not uh, not a heck of a whole lot. Been uh, been working a lot, you know. Working, just just, just working, twerking, working, working it, working it, twerking it, mm. squirting it. That sweet little tush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not much. I've been kind of lame. Yeah. 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 Me too. I, I really got nothing for you. I'm always lame. That's I, true. Uh, wait, what did I? I feel like I did something, but I can't. Did I already talk about Steaksgiving? You did. did I talk that about that last, last week? week? Jeez. Yep. yep. Yeah. Nothing then. What the hell? <laughs> did, Why don't we do, do any of us have lives? We don't do anything. Did you do anything, Jay? Uh, I was just looking at my calendar to see if I did anything <laughs> interesting. And uh, <laughs> this I, is the kind of week we had Thanksgiving, which was nice. Which, oh yeah, um, we had actual Thanksgiving. We recorded oh, yes. our episode the day before Thanksgiving, right. even though it released on Sunday afterwards. That is right. So, and, uh, so it was nice. And how, was, how was y'all's Thanksgiving then? It was well. Yeah. It Very. was swell. Did you uh, did you have like a tofurkey or something? I did not. I had an acorn squash stuffed with a bunch of uh, rice and lentils and all nuts and I love nuts. That sounds well. Of course you do. <laughs> and I had a bunch of other stuff that, that came sounds as delightful. All. It was. What about you? I uh, good. Spent it with the family. Yeah. You know. Cool. And now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't been really working all that much because I had four days off. 
So I, I, I think just, you were thinking about last week again. I yeah, I do this whole this. I got nothing. Mikey's days are all just bleeding. They together. really are. They really are. Oh, I did That's have right. an interesting day the other day. Real quick, I uh, I uh, <laughs> I was thinking. I was looking at my phone the other day, and I was like, yeah, on the iPhone, they got the speakers on the bottom. Yeah. And I was like, man, I, I really need to clean these out. They're starting to get a lot of dust and pocket lint down in there. Mm-hmm. In that night. I got home, I threw some clothes in the wash, and I'm like, I can't find my phone. Where's my phone? And I go, no. So I reach in my jean pocket real quick. It was already like most of the way through a full wash cycle in the washer, and it wasn't in there. And so I reached down through this full tub of water, find the phone on the bottom, pull it out, (laughs) and it's glowing with a text message coming through, right? From Andy Panessa. (laughs) And uh, and so it still works. So iPhones are waterproof. Nice. Nice. Was Was it a text message that just said, <laughs> Probably, <laughs> and then I got a screw in my tire the next day. So. Oh no! This is the second person in the last two days that I've heard of gotten getting a screw in their tire this week. Oh, it's so freaking. Yeah, I did good. the quick plug trick and back on the road. You plugged it yourself? I did. With a what? A rope plug? Yeah, one of the plug kits from uh, AutoZone. Those things aren't good. For oh, I, they, they last a lifetime, man. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did think of something though. What? Uh, last night was was a very sad night in in my life. Yeah. Uh, I had to tear down half of my uh, oh. my movie collection yeah. room mm-hmm. because somebody decides that kids are more important than movies, and it's laughable. Fucking roommate Jen. It's laughable. It is. <laughs> roommate Jen is. She, uh, she, she wants. To... She wants room for her baby's crib. Yeah, yeah. She, like, she told me to like. I moved my. I moved like half my collection downstairs, and I'm like, listen. Put your baby downstairs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, nobody asked for this child to take over my movie room. Just kidding, Jen. I love you. Now, the fun the fun part is, though, is there's there's an ongoing discussion as to whether or not the Drag Me to Hell poster that's still on the wall <laughs> and, and will remain on the wall, whether that's whether that's uh, appropriate or not. Uh, that's, that is that is staying up. Uh, also, if, the if Chucky doll holding a knife. See, so she keeps saying that the Chucky doll needs to go. And I said, if you remove the Chucky doll from the room, you're going to wake up every morning to the Chucky doll being in the bed with your baby. <laughs> so she needs to figure out which one's worse <laughs> because one of the two is happening. <laughs> Look at this. We're all like, oh, we all had boring times. <laughs> Nothing going on. And then we got all these stories to tell. So much stuff. Uh, what about you? We need, James, have you? Uh, we need more focus. We all need to like pop some Adderall and just like. Wait, we don't <laughs> did you? Uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I, not I really the way yeah, that works. It was, but. Yeah, it was uh, very nice. We had our our Thanksgiving a uh, couple couple weeks ago, so I was able to you know go up and spend time with my folks there, and then we did Thanksgiving with uh, my in laws and my brother and sister in law and their baby and my kids. It was a good time. Cool man. Watched the Lions lose, oh, of yeah. course, and, gracefully. Uh, Wasn't a bad game. It was. It was better than it has been in years past yeah i give them that yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) i'm sick of them losing but um yeah other than that not too much been making some wallets selling some wallets people are actually starting to pay me to do this stuff which is silly jokes on (laughs) jokes on them they're gonna (laughs) fall apart (laughs) so yeah that's about it cool yeah so uh so anyway yeah james Speaking of things falling apart, why don't we get into some <laughs> corrections from last week? Stupid! You're so stupid! What? So So that sound, of course, means that we don't have any uh, corrections. Not because we weren't wrong, but because we didn't listen to last week's episode. <laughs> that is that is correct. <laughs> what were you doing? Family things and stuff uh, like that? Thanksgiving uh, or something? Actually, no, because when we posted it on Sunday, we've only had a couple of days to listen to it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Technically. And I've been busy. Mine is more so just I, I didn't get around to it. I have more important things to do than listen to your dumbass talk like, about movies. Like make shitty wallets. I was talking to myself. Oh. <laughs> You, you're great. You're great. I was talking to myself just then. Anyway, so, so yeah. yeah, if we were wrong on anything, call us out. Let us know. We'll get it next week. Uh, we just... Uh, <clears throat> that's on That's on you, Vito, if you're listening, we, which you are. We you're sucked. beautiful. We sucked life's dick this last week. That's what we did. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, all right. So, this week, Twin Freaks, yes, we are, uh, we're talking about we're talking about two movies that have, have a little bit to do with... Uh, Siamese twins, parasitic twins, mm-hmm. chimerism, if you want to call it that, well, if the, you want to get medical. Well, the Wheel of Pizza Death made us choose the beer first. Right. And so one of the beers that we had uh, in our queue was Two Hearted Ale. Bell's so we Two-Hearted crafted Ale. this whole twin symbiotic sort of parasitic person episode. Well, we were got, like, is, that, is that a good description? Well, we were, like, well, we were like, what the hell is... Two hearted. The only thing we could think of that was two hearted has two heartbeats mm-hmm. aside from Doctor Who, is uh, yeah, or at least uh, something that came Siamese from, twins, or at least something that came from two hearts, right? You know, yes. So there you go. Exactly. So like uh, every loving child in this world came from a heart of a mother and a heart of a father came, came from, from two, two hearts. hearts. No, no, no. It came from the heart on of the father. Uh, oh. Yes, I've got a total heart on for you. <laughs> two hearts. I got it. All right. So uh, Bell's two hearted ale. From right here in Michigan. 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 Uh, brewed with 100% centennial hops from the Pacific Northwest and named after the Two-Hearted River in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, this IPA is bursting with hop aromas ranging from pine to grapefruit from massive hop additions in both the kettle and the fermenter. When we were talking about uh, kettle is the word that we were probably no, looking we were for the one time. No, we were talking about the fermenter. The fermenter is the big tank. No, the coppers are kettles. The coppers. You said they call them coppers? Yes. Those are kettles. kettles. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know. Dude. <laughs> we did. We did correct ourselves on that, or some. Or I think we might have corrected ourselves wrong. I though. think we might have. Yeah. 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 Uh, so anyway, there is a correction. <laughs> uh, perfectly balanced with a malt backbone and combined with the signature fruity aromas of Bell's House Yeast, this beer is remarkably drinkable and well suited for adventurous adventures everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh this is one of my favorite beers. Yeah. I I pretty much always have some on hand. Yep. But... I'm. Uh... Yeah, so it's not like it's going to be anything new, but nope. But in a way, every time you drink this, it is a new adventure. All right, All right. just like it said right there, adventure everywhere. It fills my two hearts with joy. Mm-hmm. I feel you. Ugh. All right, here you go, Jay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. <clears throat> too uh, too hearted. Um, too hearted. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boys. Mm. Mm, delicious. Mm, mm, mm. It's got a body that I like. It's got a real, a real tight body to it. It's hey. uh, <laughs> 36, you, 24, 36. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, it's it, it, it just it's a really good um, body. Like, almost velvety body. Does that make sense? Like it's just, it's, it's a, got a good mouth feel. It's got a good mouth feel, yeah. but like yeah, it's not like um, it's an IPA, but it's, it's not like a harsh IPA. Some IPAs have like a a real bite to them. Mm-hmm. There's no bite to it, but it's it's full and. Hmm. What I'm trying full, to say is that this beer rich. has a really nice ass. That's mm. what I'm trying to say. It is good on the ass end. <laughs> Ooh, I like Delicious. it. It's one of the. Uh, it's it's one of the uglier labels I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just a fish. And therein lies the charm, mm. I think. You know, it's like most most. 
It's not like it's not that's not very aesthetically pleasing. It's just it's not even a whole trout. Is it? It's the, or is, wait, is that a salmon? It's a trout. Is it? It's not even a whole trout. It's just his ugly, stupid head. Would you call it the butterface of beers? <laughs> <laughs> I sure would. But like I said, it's like it's it's kind of striking. Like you don't really see you don't see labels that. There's something about it that's, that's just. That's why I uh, like it though. It's, it's Michigan, man. It's earthy. It's Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Visit Michigan. We're earthy. <laughs> we're, we're very earthy. <laughs> and the uh, like the orange font on it. Yeah, it's like great. it's really kind of ugly, but I, well, I like it's it. In a way. It's Hunter's colors. Yeah, Hunter's colors are always ugly. <laughs> or fisherman, if yep. you if no. you go by the yeah. the label. So yeah. yes, that's uh, Two Hearted Ale from Bell's in Comstock, Michigan. That's what we're drinking. That's what we're talking about. Why don't we get into the bleed feed? All right. You know my favorite way to start the news is? By saying, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, we got a couple deaths. Oh, no. All right. So uh, rest in peace, firstly, to Samuel Hadida. Uh, Samuel Hadida is the, uh, he was uh, his most notable thing. He's a producer of uh, Evil Dead, Silent Hill, and the great Christian Slater movie, True Romance. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's producer of those. Uh, he died at the age of 64. Uh, it was an unexpected death, so they have not uh, released the cause of death. Yep. But uh, rest in peace to uh, Samuel Hadida. Rest in peace. Uh, and then also rest in peace to director Nicholas Rogue. Now, uh, Nicholas Rogue, uh, was, uh, he directed a movie in 1973 called Don't Look Now, mm-hmm. which was very uh, very popular. And then in the 90s, he did a movie called The Witches. He also, he also did a movie starring the one and the only Mr. David Bowie called The Man Who Fell to Earth, hmm. which I know my buddy Chris Jordan loves that movie. Mm-hmm. I have not seen it, but I've only heard good things. Uh, so he was 90 years old. Not a Big, bad run. Not a bad run indeed. So uh, no cause of death for him either. I'm assuming it's because he was 90 years he's old. Old as balls, yeah. <clears throat> uh, no disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, no rest in peace to uh, to those two. Um, uh, even though it's not it's not genre, I, I still feel like we should probably bring up the fact because I, I know for me this was a big part of my younger years. Uh, Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, I didn't even know he died. Also died. Yep. Uh, oh dang. Yesterday, I believe. Wow. Um. Uh, how old? Are you? He was young too. He was only ah oh, shit. I lost it. Yeah, he was fifty-seven. Oh. So. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, no no cause of death though or anything. Like uh, that? I don't think so, not yet. So oh. uh, yeah, that's I don't really have any other information. Could you for say you that he is for... now eternally living in a big pineapple under the sea? I guess you could say that if you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I think that he would appreciate that kind of humor. I mean, SpongeBob was basically the last type of show that you're ever going to get that was like Ren and Stimpy yeah. or like any of those. Those they're kids shows, but there's so much adult humor. Yeah, just laced I mean, there's throughout. still there's still some shows like that, but they're they're more not like, that on, not. But you find them more on like Adult Swim, where they're more yes. so for adults. Yeah, like, I'm if talking you about watch, for kids. If you watch old SpongeBob ep- Rocko's, episodes, Rocco's Modern Life was yeah. another terrible one. A lot of really Rocko was a sex stuff. worker. Oh, he, he was. was yeah. a, he was a sex call worker. Yeah. and no kids ever got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I just had a voice crack. There you go. Oh, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> now I have to try my best to not have one all night. Oh, it's not gonna happen. And then this will be, happen. and then we'll totally flip our whole, our whole uh, 
script on, on its head here. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, me. so let's get into the news here. Uh, the new Jordan Peele produced Candyman movie will be a spiritual sequel that returns to the neighborhood where the legend began. Uh, so pretty cool. Not It's not going to be a full-on remake. It's going to be a... It sounds like it's going to be a new story set in the same place. Okay. So not connected to the old stories whatsoever, but also not disregarding them is is kind of what I'm getting out of it. Okay. It says the now gentrified section of Chicago. So so another soft reboot kind of. Um, sort of. I I, you know it's funny. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, uh, Bernard Rose and Tony Todd never really considered two and three to be canon. Oh really? Um, because they just there's. I don't want to speak out of turn here because it's been a while since I've read this, but I feel like I've read somewhere that they don't really care for those sequels. Uh, and granted, there's no there's no war in I, if either of them are involved in this new movie. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I mean, Tony Todd might not be Candyman. I hope he is. Yeah, He's still very able and probably willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, mean, I hope that he still is, but uh, yeah, who knows? Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, like I was saying, the... Um, it returns to the neighborhood where the legend began, the now gentrified section of Chicago where the Cabrini Green housing projects once stood. So basically, it's the same area where that, like, kind of, I mean, I call it a ghetto because kind of what it was. Yeah. Uh, the where projects. That, yeah, the projects. That's where that used to be. And yeah. now, it's, it, it, my guess so is that be, it probably got built be, up. It's going to be picking off a bunch of yuppies and hipsters. That's kind of my guess. Yeah. yeah it's going to be built up there. Yeah. It's like on hollowed ground kind of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, Indian burial ground rules. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So. Right on. So I'm down for that. It's gonna yeah. be, I'm thinking that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, oh, actually, before you move on. Oh, I, yeah. I just remembered because I, I saw a news story about it. Uh, Steven Hillenberg. Yeah. Uh, SpongeBob. They, yeah, the SpongeBob creator. There was a, a cause of death. He he, he died of ALS. Oh, jeez, yeah. Lou Gehrig. Yeah, gross. Yeah, so it's not a good way to go. No, not at all. So yeah, sorry to interrupt, but Ooh. I just needed to correct that before I had to correct myself well, next hopefully week. Hopefully, he didn't suffer too much from it. Well, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's I. It seems like you pretty much do. It's yeah, kind of I know. I'm just, it's a hope. It's a pipe right. dream. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro is producing a remake of Terrified, which, okay. is a, which is a new movie. Yeah, I have not seen it yet, but I've heard a lot about it. It's on uh, Shutter. It's right? on Shutter. Yeah, uh, there are. He's already producing the American remake of it, and however, the original director, uh, Damien Rug- Rugna, I believe how you say his name, Damien Rugna, is returning to direct the remake of his own movie, hmm. which I find very interesting. It's kind of like a Michael Haneke. Uh, funny game sort of deal. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I forgot that's even happened like, before, that's, but you're right. That's like a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original movie, but it was done for American audiences. I don't understand the point Because, you that. know, I don't want to I don't want to read no damn subtitles. Ugh. I don't, what do I want, a reading lesson while I'm watching a, a damn movie? I don't like words. <laughs> God. <laughs> read the damn subtitles. The, the, the nice thing about it, though, is that you can't really be mad at it because it's the same people making it. Right. So you can't you can't really be that mad at it. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, Terrified was supposed to be amazing, so maybe we'll do an episode when that comes out uh, next year, like Terrified and Terrified. Ooh. <laughs> just, we basically just talk about the same movie twice. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Moving on. Uh, so last week and the week before, I believe, uh, we mentioned about how the Satanic Temple was suing Netflix uh, yes. over the... Uh, the likeness of Baphomet mm-hmm. in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Satan's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, thank, I you, Onyx. thank you, Onyx. Thank you, Onyx. So they've reached a settlement. The big news is uh, the settlement is is that uh, the unique elements of the Satanic Temple's Baphomet statue will be acknowledged in the credits of episodes which have already been filmed. 
that's their settlement. <laughs> they went from suing for $50 million to just putting their name in the credits. Just, just say our name at the end. We'll be fine. I, Apparently, I there's some other stuff. Just the remaining terms. It's, of it's literally, it's literally. Notice me, senpai. <laughs> notice me. <laughs> uh, it says that the remaining terms of the settlement are subject to a confidentiality agreement. So who knows? Maybe if moving forward, a, uh, or there might, yeah, they might, there might yeah. be some small payout or something like that. Sure, but that, that's pretty much it. They just wanted people to know that that was theirs. <clears throat> that was that was the idea. Right on. Cool. You, um, get, you get your credit there. You do. You do. Well, um, well done. Uh, I like to ask this question every week. Mm-hmm. What's new on blue? And I like to tell you what's new on blue. Except for I'm not going to this this week because I hate you. You're just going to stare at me and not respond to that. Baby. So, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> that was very dramatic. <laughs> right? <laughs> as most of you know, or as many of you may know, George R.R. R. Martin, best known as the author of the Game of Thrones novels, has been developing a brand new sci-fi series that will debut next month. Starting on Sunday, December 2nd, the series will air in two blocks of four episodes, so uh, Sunday through Thursday for two consecutive weeks. They're going to run those episodes uh, with very little uh, interruption from commercial. Uh, This first season of Night Flyers will uh, then be released on DVD and Blu-ray on Tuesday, February 12th of next year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the synopsis of this one because I don't sure. usually do this for now, blues, but since it's a, a brand new thing, Night Flyers is a <clears throat> remake of uh, an old book or series, right? Well, no, I well no. I, or is there, there's, or is there there's, another there's, movie? There's a, there's a Stephen it? King book and adaptation called Night Flyer. This has nothing to do with this. It. Has nothing. To do. This, oh, okay. this is like a sci-fi, like futuristic space deal. Got it. change your fucking name <clears throat> because that's confusing. Well, no, that because that is Flyer F L I E R, and this is Flyers F L Y E R S. Totally different thing, Mike. I don't know how to read, James. <laughs> Them damn words again. Uh, In 2093, in hopes of making contact with a mysterious alien life at the edge of our solar system, a group of maverick scientists and a powerful telepath embark on an expedition aboard the Night Flyer. As they race towards first contact, terrifying and violent events begin to occur, causing the once tight-knit crew to mistrust each other. It's not long before their main mission becomes survival. Sounds pretty intense. It does. And a big departure from what we typically know George R. R. Martin for, you know, with uh, Game George, of Thrones. George so R. R. Martin. So next up, uh, Venom arrives on digital platforms on December 11th, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment, with a Blu-ray follow-up uh, the next week on the 18th. To mark the occasion, a new trailer of the film has been cut together to make it look like a romantic comedy between Venom and Eddie Brock and Eddie Brock and and Wayne. Have you watched it yet? No, I have not. I it meant to before awesome. I came here so that I could comment on it and I <laughs> totally forgot to. So maybe we, are, we can We are on the ball. Yeah. I mean, we could cut and watch it, but we won't. Uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, which was released on Netflix this past January, is now coming home on Blu-ray and DVD on February 5th. The release will include over 25 minutes of never-before-seen bonus content, which includes interviews with the cast and crew, as well as a making-of documentary. The film will also be available as part of the new Cloverfield 3-movie collection. Ooh. And last, but certainly not least, because Nick Cage is never the least, the 1999 thriller, I hate that word, 8mm, starring Nicolas Cage, Joaquin Phoenix, James Gandolfini, mm. Peter Stormare, and directed by Joel Schumacher, 
will be hitting Blu-ray courtesy of Scream Factory on January 8th. The release will feature a new interview and audio commentary by Joel Schumacher. Schumacher? Schumacher. Yeah, sorry. And uh, vintage behind-the-scenes featurette. Uh, first off, 8mm is a fucking fantastic movie. I love that movie so much. I rented it a long time ago, mm-hmm. like back when you still rented physical movies. from. Sure. So I, I rented it from Thumb Home Real Video. Oh. Right. And uh, never got around to watching it before oh, I had so, to take so, it back. So, so never I've actually, never seen it. Oh, dude, no. it's so good. Um, and that's actually <laughs> one of the, it's one of the rare instances where actually Thriller fits. Yeah. Thriller fits. Uh, there very few movies fit into it because usually it's either a drama or it's an action movie. Right. And but there's a sweet spot that are, that is right in the middle. And, and that's to it right me, there. that's where Thriller <clears throat> lives. You know. Um, I it, can understand. Like this was like it, Snake Eyes. It was is another one. It was Nic- a Nicolas Cage movie that is a thriller. It was written by the same guy who wrote um, Seven. Yeah. And Seven, I think, would fall uh, like closer closer to the horror side. Of thriller, but seven is still definitely a thriller. Yeah, as far it's as I'm concerned. crime horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah still. It's, I think those are more pertinent genres. That's sure. Just, that's just me. Sure. So anyway, that's all that's on blue. <laughs> that's, I like that. I like that exit. That's you should do that every every week now. It's very nice. Cause um, baby, that's what's on blue. <laughs> all right, so this is uh, this is kind of cool for for you streaming fans out there. Uh, have you ever heard of Canopy streaming service? No. So Canopy streaming streaming service uh, is a is a, an online streaming service that is available through public libraries and universities and colleges. Really. So you either need a library card for participating libraries, which most of them fall fall into it, or mm-hmm. student ID to most colleges or universities, okay. and you can access this uh, streaming site. Um, the company A twenty four has just released their entire catalog to the streaming service. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is pretty awesome because if you've never seen any of these, there's some really, really good movies that have come with it that you can get for free now. Uh, the Witch, Under the Skin, It Comes at Night, Green Room, The Monster, Tusk, Heredity, Ex Machina, Slice. Those are just to name a few of the yeah. movies that are coming with it. Nice. And like I said, if, if you have a, uh, it's a library, the bigger libraries usually have uh, have access to them. Okay. Or like I said, student ID for colleges. And you can access this streaming <clears throat> service completely for free. You're about to have a student ID for I a college. I already have one. I already looked it up. And oh it totally my works. Gosh. So, um, but yeah, so pretty, pretty cool. I've been meaning to go to uh, the Fraser Library to get a card, and now mm-hmm. this just makes it even more. I, I got to check to see if they actually or participate. Just, or just go to your local community college and get, uh, just put your name in their system, and you get a student ID. You don't oh, even, sign you up don't for even have to sign up for classes to get a student ID. Nope, it's got to be in the system. And student IDs get you discounts in other sure places do. too. Sure do. Damn, con in the system. Yeah. All right. That's a con tip for the week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's like Q-tip, just not as good of a rapper. <laughs> con tip. All right. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so like I said, Canopy streaming service. If you're into that, uh, you can finally see some of those movies, like The Witch, Under the Skin. We've all we've both seen. Uh, Green Room Tusk is a goddamn masterpiece. Mm, yeah. Well, the, you you just kind of glossed over Green Room, but that was also <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So. But um, anyway, yeah. So that's uh, so that's that. Cool. All right. Well, speaking of libraries, so you thought I was going to end it a minute ago when I said boom, but I was just boom excited. That wasn't that wasn't jumping the gun on the boom. Uh, here's your random segment. Pack. So here's today's useless bullcrap. <laughs> the main <laughs> that's, that's that's the we're we're wearing pajamas pajamas to dinner type term. It's, yeah. it's not. It's like it's that it's not, loose. It's not random it's facts right. or useless Stupid information. The day. Uh, here's your useless fucking hunk of bullshit. So the main library. <laughs> Dad's drunk at dinner again. <laughs> Dad's always drunk at dinner. 
The main library at Indiana University sinks over an inch every year because when it was built, engineers failed to take into account the weight of all the books that would occupy the building. How do you what? fuck that up? Doesn't it? It's seem... just a building. You put some studs up, a roof <laughs> on it, and that's it. Doesn't it seem like they would be aware of the fact that every other library built over the history of the world? Uh, Not if they hated knowledge and they were trying to sink knowledge. Oh, no. <laughs> Conspiracy. It's like Fahrenheit 451, except for instead of burning all the books, they're just slowly sinking them into the ground. It's going to take 400 years. Yeah, or like if they have like a book collection of the Titanic in there, the Titanic is sinking again. Oh, no. As it sank and sank and inception and stuff. Insult you know? injury. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Boom! That was the news. Thanks, oh, Jay. nice. All right, so uh, we're going to take a quick little breaky break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about our siblings that d- died in the womb with us. That's dark. <laughs> <laughs> that was dark. God. So was the womb. Throughout this, you'll see faces ripped apart with hooks, a man slashing himself into a bloody pulp, and graphic, macabre, torturous images that defy description. <laughs> so I'm gonna do my best to to intro uh, our first movie. Uh, I will not do it anywhere near justice, though, especially when you can you go. What's you that? Won't do any justice. <laughs> <laughs> we just had an argument about uh, the proper use of contractions or no conju- conjunctions. Conjun- you ass. Why do I keep? I have Jen's pregnancy on the brand. That must be it. I keep saying contractions. Oh yeah. That must be the one. Or you're just dumb. Combo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like we we had a, a discussion about the proper use of conjunctions, and uh, we've decided that we can't use them. Ah, uh, j- <laughs> <laughs> ah, you lose. All right, I'm so out. So for the rest of the episode, we cannot use conjunctions. Nope. That's the that's the challenge anyway. You sure. Oh, I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> okay, hold on. Starting now, none of us can use none of us can use conjunctions. This is going to be a very weird episode <laughs> because we're we are all going to. Talk. <laughs> you can't do it. Uh, fuck that. Oh shit! I just said can't do it. <laughs> this is this that's, is pointless. That's, well, hey, that's damn near I impossible. Am, I am up for the task. All right. As I'll you as am I. I'll let you. I'm not. Fuck you. Anyway, um, so our first movie, Basket Case. Uh, I'm going to give this. I'm going to try to intro this as good as I can. Uh, but when you have a streaming service as well like as Shutter. I can. A, a streaming service like Shutter, that has the Joe Bob Briggs first twenty-four hour mm. uh, uh, last drive and marathon. Mm-hmm. Go there because it's it's a way better intro. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we watched it because Joe Bob is hilarious and fantastic and the greatest probably host, you know, horror host ever. Absolutely. No, maybe not ever. But so he's good. You, so if you do watch this on Shutter, make sure you don't don't type. Do not type in. <laughs> Do not type in basket case and then uh and then and then watch that one. Make sure you look up the last drive in. Yeah. And then it will be under Yeah. 
It's good. It's good. Um, anyway, so Basket <laughs> Case... In, in the list. <laughs> so Basket Case from 1982 is directed by uh, uh, Frank Hennenlotter. Uh, Frank Hennenlotter uh, brought us other just amazing, amazing films from the 80s, uh, such as Brain Damage mm. and uh, Frankenhooker. Frankenhooker, classic. Which is a classic movie. An instant classic. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can't speak English. What the hell's wrong Oh, we're with falling me? apart. Um, yeah, so uh, Basket Case, if, you, if, you, if you've not seen it... Um, it's not good, but that's why it's amazing. Bite your tongue. No, no, that's why it's amazing. It's low budget filmmaking at its best. It really is. Um, I want to say they made the movie for like thirty five grand. I think they said some, somewhere around there. Yeah. It was not expensive, and you can tell. Actually, there's a roll of money in the film at one point in time that you see in the room. That literally was the budget for the movie. Which <laughs> is pretty risky. It was literally, yeah, like literally that wad of money. They were was actually the they money. were actually <laughs> using the wad of money, the 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 actual budget. As prop money in the movie. Yeah, man, that is pretty cool. <laughs> it, it's crazy, but it tells you that that's that kind of filmmaking, though. Like, it's, well, and they it, they they also didn't um, they also did not start just, with just just stop. <laughs> it's gonna be annoying. They also didn't start with the full budget. Like they they basically they would shoot a few scenes, sure. and make some and get investors to throw in some more money, and then that's how they ended up shooting the entire. And they came in at about thirty five thousand dollars. Yep. yep. So, um, right. so if you've yeah, not seen cool. Basket Case, uh, a young man carrying a big basket that contains his extremely deformed Siamese twin brother seeks vengeance on the doctors who separated them against their will. Wow. How do you unpack that? <laughs> Take it out of the basket. <laughs> oh, there you go. And uh, let it kill The people. way they describe the brother is amazing in this movie. It looks like a smashed octopus. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's pretty much the greatest way to describe this thing. I'm not even going to call it a brother. It's just a... Gelatinous. It kind of looks like uh, it kind of looks like uh, brain from Ninja Turtles. Oh, it does. Except for not pink and uh, Krang, not brain. Krang. Oh, Krang. Yeah, Krang. He is a brain. Yeah, he is a. He brain. is a brain. The but his brain. name is Krang. The brain named Krang <laughs> from Ninja Turtles. You mentioned the octopus. Did uh, I read something recently when I was looking at my stupid facts mm-hmm. page and all that? The oct- octopi have three hearts. Do they they really? do. They do. Oh, we should have gotten some octopus flavored beer. Ew. <laughs> Ew. 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 Or, does, or does octopus? They have three hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've just... actually. They, they, I've. I've. I've heard people legitimately give the. Um, give the theory that octopus are straight up aliens. Really? Like they're straight space aliens. Oh yeah. Because their genetic makeup. Not, I mean, maybe not the genetic makeup, but like, they're they're just their <clears> whole <throat> being is just unlike anything else. They came. They came from Europa. Haven't you ever listened to... Uh... Is that on the other side of the ice wall? No. No. <laughs> well, well, yeah. yeah well, it is technically on the other side of our flat earth ice wall, but it's uh, it, Europa is one of Jupiter's moons. Oh, oh. And it's it's got a uh, an icy crust, and underneath the icy crust is where the octopus people live. Oh. You need to listen to Armada by uh, Ernest Klein, the, okay. guy who, the guy who wrote uh, Ready Player One. Oh. It's all in there, and oh. it's all true. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> all the information is there, people, if you just look for it. You and, know? Uh, <laughs> is it isn't Europa the largest moon or something like that? Or I think it, it, yeah, I think it's the largest moon of Jupiter. The um, So an octopus <clears throat> has three hearts, nine brains, and blue blood. Two what hearts f- pump blood to the gills, while a third circulates to the rest of the body. That's bizarre. There you go. It is. Aliens, that man. sounds alien. I'm not to me. saying it's aliens. The blood, the blood <laughs> contains aliens. Their blood contains the copper rich protein hemocyanin. Which is more efficient than hemoglobin for oxygen transport at very low temperatures. Aliens. 
it, it, very low temperatures. Space. Aliens from Europa. It's all there. We rest our case. Yeah. That's it. There we go. The truth is out there, and we just found it, bitches. The truth is out there. <laughs> all right, back to the basket case. Um, <laughs> so uh, he doesn't look so much like a like a smashed octopus as he does a bag of smashed assholes. Because <laughs> he is ugly. And I my one complaint about this movie, because I have very few, because this okay. movie uh, is a lot of fun to me. It is. It is. He screams way too much. It's like it's it, it really grates on you. Well, that's all he can do, though. I know, but well, that and he purrs. <clears throat> he's got this really weird like purring sound that he does when he's about to kill somebody. Well, it's more it's more just like heavy like heavy breathing. Like it's like guttural breathing. Though. That's why it sounds yeah. like a purr. Like, oh, it's, yeah. But just the screaming, like I because I was I was listening to this much like I do with most movies with headphones on and. Um, with assholes on your ears. With assholes. <laughs> not only, not only is the uh, the the sound design and the the mixing and editing in this movie horrendous, horrendous, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just that constant screaming coming from Belial. It's like, man, just yeah. shut up for a while. Yeah, because he throws these tantrums. But it's part of what gives it its charm, though. Yeah. Like, like this movie is as much of a cult favorite because of that character and because of how he sounds and because mm-hmm. of how he moves. The really sketchy stop motion that they use is it fits the movie so bad because it's so it's really bad stop motion, but the rest of the movie looks so bad. Good stop motion would just look weird. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. it, it, they really they really fit so it's a, the two so, sides fit well together. So uh the this little deformed brother Belial, he uh, he's a he's a puppet mostly not a puppet but like actually yeah. somebody's head with a bunch of prosthetics on and then there's No, these... I don't think it's his head. Is it? it no, it's oh, a fa- no, you it's know a what face mold I, yeah, it's of, a face mold, it's a face of, mold of Dwayne uh, of Kevin Van Henderick. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh so it's a puppet then. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. but except for probably with yeah human hands working his hands. Oh, so a puppet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> kind of how puppets work, James. But then that's when you're only seeing bits and pieces of him. But when they show him as a full, a full Mass entity moving around, <laughs> moving around Which who knows this, how he moves? Maybe like an earthworm or something. Like yeah, he doesn't kinda, have legs. It's this weird. It's and so they use like very. Uh, the hell's his name? Uh, Harryhausen, like mm-hmm. very Harryhausen-esque well, yeah. sort of. Yeah, it's just stop motion. Stop motion effects to to show him moving around, which is pretty cool. So, uh, uh, rounding <clears> out <throat> the cast here, we have uh, uh, Kevin Van Hendrick, H- Hendenrick, Hendenrick, uh, starring as uh, Dwayne Bradley, who is the main character. The mm-hmm. he's the normal brother. Uh, the and then you have. Uh, Terry Susan Smith, who plays Sharon, the uh, the girlfriend of the of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. You have uh, Robert Vogel, who plays the hotel manager, and I fucking love Robert Vogel. Uh, Joe Bob points him out a lot too in his commentary, and he really is great. He's just a seedy, gross bastard. Like yeah, he's he, just yeah, he played the part very well, very very well. <laughs> uh, and then uh, there are a couple other pieces that just really don't matter. Let's be honest. Uh, there's really, I, I mean, he nobody in, in his this comment, movie in his commentary he mentioned that nobody in the movie really went on to do yeah. much else except for uh, Kevin Van Hentenrick showed up in the, the two sequels. Yes, yes, there and are two I, sequels. I think there was one other... Um, was it, was it, was it, was it, I think it was Beverly Bonner, actually. Oh, was it? Who came back for... And um, the those two people in particular, he mentions they're both like obsessed with this movie. Because Kevin Van Hentenrick is like a famous sculptor now. Really? Yeah, didn't you watch... You watched the commentary, didn't yeah. you? He's a famous. He's a famous sculptor now, but even even now in 2018, he's currently working on the script for Basket Case Four. 
because he wants he wants to see it made so badly. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because he thinks that there's still issues between um, Dwayne and Belial that that haven't <laughs> been worked out. Maybe and then he's, maybe <clears throat> he's got his own smashed octopus that he keeps in his house. He's, that he's trying to uh, <laughs> and I think he, with. and I think he was talking about uh, Beverly Bonner who plays his his uh, neighbor Casey. Yeah. She wrote uh, a stage play, a basket case stage play, or no something shit. like that. Yeah, so huh. so these people they they really like all these years later they love this movie. They I mean, I mean, they were so cult, It's got its cult following. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. why not? Why not ride those coattails? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so the movie <laughs> yeah, starts off you're riding your own coattails. <laughs> yeah, right. The the movie starts off. You have uh, you have Dwayne Bradley. Uh, he shows up at this random uh, random. Well, he's a kid, mm-hmm. and he's got the he can't go to school because of his deformity, and he's trying to get homeschooled by his mother. And, well, that's uh, not how it starts. I mean, it starts with what? What? Nothing. Oh, it starts with you see one of the doctors get killed off right away in the movie. That's how the movie, That's how the movie actually well, okay, starts. Okay. Okay. And then you see uh, Dwayne travel to New York. You don't really know what he's doing, but he's got this basket. He talks to the basket. It doesn't go. It it goes into a flashback later on in the movie and kind of gives you the backstory. Okay. Like where he came from and why why he's carrying this freak around the basket and stuff like that. So that happens way lo- way later in the movie, but you see quite a bit of stuff leading up to that. Mm-hmm. So he goes, he holds up in this uh, dingy little place in New York, which you can't like nobody there can really figure out why he's staying in this place because he's got a roll of like fifties and hundreds and twenties on him. Oh yeah, he's rich. So where anyway. did he get his money from? <clears throat> he just stole it from people they've killed. Um, they don't really ever say where he got his money from. Well, the house that when, once they get into the the backstory, he lived in a pretty nice house. It looked like his parents might have been pretty affluent. Maybe. And also, they lived with his aunt. Mm-hmm. Afterward, well, his aunt took care of him. Right. So maybe his dad didn't want him. Maybe when she died, maybe there was some sort of inheritance or something like that. They Correct. never really get into it, but I, I have to imagine it was something like that. Sure. So, or maybe he stole all that money from. They already killed off one doctor. They maybe, did. Maybe he stole a bunch of money from them. I mean, if I was a doctor, I would keep rolls of cash in my drawers, Absolutely. too. I mean, if someone's going to kill me, you might as well steal my money. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, when they're born, though, he's got this deformity on him. Uh, the mother dies during childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, the dad doesn't want anything to do with the the abnormal growth off of his son's side. Like, yeah, he's he like, doesn't even consider it human. He's like, Dwayne's my son. The other thing's not my son. Get rid of it. Like, he's he's all about getting rid of it. And they basically put him under and do the surgery against Dwayne's will. Yeah, they come and, in and drag him out of bed. And then throw human remains away with the normal trash. Great <laughs> hospital. <laughs> Leaving it for dead, but obviously it wasn't dead. So, so. He, so he recovers his brother because they have a telekinetic sort of... Uh, uh, telepathy sort of uh, communication. Yeah. And so he finds him, and then from that moment <clears throat> on, he basically carries his brother around in a basket mm-hmm. and feeds him hot dogs and McDonald's. And <laughs> man, his diet's good. Yeah, he eats, he eats a lot. He's pretty good. <laughs> um, that that aspect of of twins has always been something that interests me mm-hmm. big time. Like that, a lot of twins say that they have this weird, like telepathic connection to their twin oh yeah i i, I 100 percent oh I, I, I yeah i believe that it's real it's just I crazy parts, I, I think there's a part of the brain that we don't typically use that yeah. twins are more connected to because they're on the same frequency if you will so that really I, get that really know. gets your I don't mind know the science behind it but it makes sense to me right it really gets your mind going on what other thing like what other things that seem science like science fiction 
you know, that mm-hmm. we that we watch in movies that could actually be real in real life. You know what I mean? Octopus people. Well, like, well, yeah, octopus <laughs> people. But I mean, like, is, could telekinesis actually be real? I yeah. mean, if, if people could be telepathically linked and actually be able to, like, you know, I get burned and you're my twin and you feel it and you're 200 miles away. So, like, could telekinesis be real? Like, Absolutely. Can people move stuff with their, or can people, like, fly? Yeah. That would be the dream. Haven't you seen X-Men? It's all real. It's all autobiographical about is, David in Copperfield. Fact, he is, in fact, the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Anyway, I'm sorry to get off on um, another tangent there. But uh, so anyway, we've got um, we've got Dwayne traveling around, uh, picking off these doctors. Yeah. One at Basically, a time. That's like their goal is to is to punish everybody that was a part of this like surgery to separate them. Right. That's their goal. It's their big payback plan. Right. Uh, and in order to do so, he has to go to the city. And so, like you said, he holds up in the seedy hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just it. The sets in this movie are the most bonkers thing I think about it. Of of all the things that are bonkers about this movie, <laughs> like. The, the the hotel look look just looks terrible to begin with. Yeah. The rooms look like they're in somebody's half finished basement. Um <laughs> like they just everything just looks terrible. The sets are so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the the uh fuck the uh the bathrooms. And, and there's like a couple pipes coming off the wall. That's their shower. Like it's I mean there's like Are there places that are actually like that that are that seedy and that gross? Of course. Man. I mean, I've I've stayed in seedy hotels before, nothing that bad, but there's gotta be there's gotta be stuff like that. I mean maybe maybe like the in pay, New, like New the York pay. in the eighties, maybe, I don't know. Like I've never been to the Flamingo here in here in town. I've I've dropped like, people off there before. But like pay <laughs> pay by the hour type places, I can't imagine they're that nice. Like you say yeah. you just got like a like a bare pipe just hanging off the wall and that's your shower. <laughs> it's just so torn, bad. Torn wallpaper and dirty beds. Um, I do love though. There's there's a real sense of community in this hotel where people are just living at. It's not an <laughs> yeah. apartment complex. It's a hotel, but yeah. everybody seems to be living there. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure they understand what's what. <laughs> like that's not how a hotel works. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's extended stays, but they legitimately live there. Yeah, like they said that the woman who lived in the the room that he took over. Yeah, she was there for like seven years before he yeah. came. Yeah. But it turned out she was loaded. She always talked about being loaded, and everyone was like, "All right, she's just being crazy." And then one day she shows up, and she's wearing furs, and she's like, "I'm going to travel the world." And it turns out she was loaded, but she was living in this shithole for seven years for some reason. I mean, granted, though, it's twenty bucks a night there, times typically thirty days in a month. It's six hundred dollars rent, pretty cheap still. That's not bad. Ain't but, bad. I mean, you can get I mean, from downtown New York, though. Man, that's like yeah, big that's city true. Living. Yeah, downtown. Yeah, that's, never mind. Uh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> it all makes sense now. Because <laughs> i've I've been in I've been in apartments in New York where it was like eighteen hundred bucks for a a two hundred square foot yeah. apartment. Oh, they're it's they're, like, they're the fucking fuck? crazy, dude. Yeah, I don't understand people who choose to live in those cities. Like, yeah. why would you do that? You I mean, can, if you I had the money, come here and buy a house for for like half that price. Pretty much ridiculous. All right, so so you have them. They're staying at the city hotel, and they're going out at night, and they're basically killing off these doctors. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the lines, uh, Dwayne meets the woman of his dreams. He meets Sharon, a goofy girl with weird hair. <laughs> well, her so her hair <laughs> is actually a wig. Even before even before Joe Bob mentioned it, I was like, "That's a, she's wearing a wig. Nobody's yep. hair looks like that." Yeah, it, it, it looks Barbie-ish, doesn't it? Like, it does. It looks, yeah. it looks very. You could tell right here on her forehead. Yes. I was like, nah, "That's that's it's a very a fake, hard that's fake hair. It's like a very hard, distinct line from her yeah. forehead to her hair." 
Um, but he, she was in like a punk band or something like that, and she like had to shave her head to be in this punk band. I'm like, okay, that's. They were called the Tattooed Vegetables. <laughs> I kind of wanted to look them up to see if I could find anything by the Tattooed Vegetables because that'd be kind of cool. But yeah, they said so when she came into audition for the part, she had hair. Yeah, and then she showed up on the first day of shooting with a bald head, and they're like, "What the fuck is this? Like, who does that? You have to have hair." She's not. She's also not like an experienced actress, obviously. Right. So it's like she doesn't. I, she didn't probably really think that it would be that big of a deal, which is kind of a big deal. But coming to a set with a bald head after you auditioned with, like, they did you really think that was going to... hired her for her personality. Oh, yes, it was definitely, that was, yeah. that was the one. Both of her personalities. <laughs> her gigantic personalities. Uh. So, so, Belial, now, Belial, the smashed octopus, he becomes very, he, he becomes very jealous of their relationship. Yes. He does not like Dwayne going out and doing things. Right. Uh, so he, like, trashes the hotel room. Like, he, I love that scene. He just went on a rampage. <laughs> he really did. He was so pissed because his brother was off on a date with some, some chick. And it was, uh, he, he, he found out too through the psychic connection that they had. Like they went, they went on a date. And he broke the TV. I'd be pretty pissed about that too. Yeah. What the hell? Oh wait. Oh yeah. He went to go change the dial and and then the the dial dial broke broke off. So it was all just static. So he probably got just driven crazy because of the static. I can actually commiserate with him because that would drive me crazy. Oh yeah. I've trashed rooms before because I, my TV didn't work. I have a, I have a new little TV VCR combo that I, that I, uh, just recently nice. acquired. How much did you and, get that for? Uh, for the price of free. Nice. Right. Did it come from work? It came from the Lord. Oh, it did. Straight from the Lord above. Straight from the Lord. See? Who also has two hearts if you didn't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> it right, also wait, looks wait. like a smashed octopus. That, Weird. I, don't, I don't think either of those are a thing, but continue. <laughs> and just, and just like the, the Lord though, just like the, the famous pictures, he's a bleeding heart. Ah. Uh. Liberal. Um, <laughs> so um, anyway, though that thing, though that TV, though does not have a pause button. So if you want to pause, you have to hit the stop button. And because there's no cable hooked up to it, when you hit stop, it just goes to straight static. Oh. And with the volume up, yeah. it's really fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. So I can absolutely understand being driven crazy by just hearing this TV go nuts. Yep. And that's that. That was really it. And then at the same time, your brother's off getting a little side action, and you're not. And that's really all he wants. <laughs> Turns out all that Belial really wants in life is to get laid. The um, the end of this movie is not something that you would ever, ever expect in a million years. It's quite disturbing, actually. It really is, and I have questions. Yeah. I have questions. We'll get there. Like, like what's what's going in? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, so as, so as, as it progresses, she sticks by his side through all the crazy shit that happens. Uh, and they, they knock off a couple more doctors and they do their thing. And finally, like I said, Lyle, we find out that he just wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get his dick dipped. That's mm-hmm. all he wants. <laughs> or his nub nipped or whatever oh, whatever it is that he's got. Oh, Lord. So, so you, yeah, you come to find out that and he's very jealous of Dwayne and his girlfriend. And... So Belial breaks out of the house, and he eventually and he goes over to Sharon's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon thinks that Belial is her boyfriend, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not. I'm not sure that I could mistake. Well, she's my, sleeping. My, she's st- sleeping. Still, if somebody threw an octopus on me, I would know <laughs> that it was not my significant other. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> I think that it is. <laughs> so Belial ends up mounting her, if mm. you can call it that. Yeah. And and basically rapes her. Uh. 
But here's 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 the question. I get it. People rape. It's not good. It no. happens. I get it. Right. People mount people. I get it. Yeah. Why is it bloody? Oh yeah. That's kind of was like he's got like a suction cup dick blood thing going oh on. God. I don't. I, I, Why don't you have to describe I, it like that? I don't know what's going on. I was confused by it too. I was like, is that her blood? Is it his blood? I have no idea. I didn't, get, I didn't I want to know. I don't get how it could be hers because he's, like I say, he's like flat in the bottom. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. And she's also flat in the bottom. So what's she like? <laughs> where, I don't get how this works. Yeah. I do. Oh, you know what? You know what it could have been, actually? Um, so there's an interesting sequence leading up to that scene, which is, uh, which is actually Dwayne having a dream about himself running through the streets of New York just completely... Hanging Chad. Sure. Hanging Brain. He's running through the streets of New York complete, uh, completely brain, like nude. Yeah, he's Hanging Brain. <laughs> he's completely nude. And what this was is uh, originally they wanted to show Belial running through the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. But because the stop motion was so time consuming and so expensive to do, they couldn't really they couldn't really fit it into their budget. So they kind of used the idea of their uh, their psychic connection and they made... Uh, Dwayne run through the streets naked as sort of a symbolic way of showing Belial running through the streets because Belial's always naked because he's just like a hunk of flesh so he doesn't really need to wear clothes and if he was if he was basically just dragging his bottom across the streets of New York for miles and miles he would probably drag his bottom raw and be bleeding and stuff don't you think okay I could subscribe That's just Listen, my guess as to why think, there was so much blood. I don't think there's a right answer, so we can go with that. Let's just go that with that. That can be just, the right I'm answer. I'm more comfortable with that than the alternative. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> so. And let me clarify something real quick. I said that I understand rape. Oh, no, no, I need, no, no. I, no. I, I need you, to clarify. you understand that there is. No, I understand the mechanics of rape. Oh, not yeah. that I understand why people do it. Right, like, right. I just I want to be very clear yeah, about that. Well, I, I just to... I just took away from it that you understand that it happens. Yes, yes. It happens I, in the I world. I just wanted to clarify. Right. Yeah, you don't understand. I realized it. after not, the fact right. that I just sound like could possibly just the <clears throat> worst person. No, you're all, you're all right. I think. Um, um, but yeah, so we'll go with that yeah. because, like I said, the alternative, whatever that alternative is, is just not something he, that I he want was just, to. He was just so he was his urges, his physical urges, made him so crazy that he was he was willing to drag himself to the point of physical harm. Yes, that's what I'm going to go with. Sure, sounds right. Sounds good to me. Sounds right. So <laughs> let's just stick with that. Um, uh, let, that let's explanation get in... feels all right. <laughs> God. Let's get into some of the kills of this movie because there some there's some really pretty cool good ones. Kills. There's like a lot of good blood. We do have to talk about Joe Bob's story about the kills in this movie and the gore scenes. Yes, uh, yes, yes, that's, yes. Uh, that's a really important piece of the history but of this movie. Before we get to, to that, the best part about the kills was the horrendous sound design. <laughs> There is the, every kill in this movie just sounds like somebody just gargling with oatmeal. That's that's, <laughs> oh, pretty, God. that's pretty much what it sounds like. A chunky gargle. It's so gross, oh, right? God. Like it's just really just gross sounding. Well, like I said, it's a, there's everything. A, there's a lot like Belial is always screaming. Like pretty much no matter what he's <laughs> doing, he's going. Oh God, it's the worst. <laughs> and then couple that with the screaming of the victim and I guess what you get is a, a chunky oatmeal garbage. Oh, I got the chunky bit. <laughs> oh, I got the chunky bit. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, so so the kills. Let's get into some of the kills, because there were some pretty fun ones. You're only going to have one heart? Uh, oh. Allow me. Oh. Jay, do you need anything, my man? I'm doing fantastic so far. <laughs> just oh, just right. cheerio, fantastic. Cheerio. All right, so um, personally one of my favorites was the 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 face in the scalpel drawer. Yes, right. It was cool and it made no sense whatsoever because no doctor in their right mind, whatever, well, just keep an unsanitary drawer just packed packed right up to the top with scalpels. Like, well, what are you doing? That's not how you're supposed to keep it. Doctor's this. junk drawer. I got yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so she uh, Belial you don't keep scalpels in yours. <laughs> Belial attacks her. And he's like attached to her face, and then he like kind of gets around to the back, and he's like strangling her, and like clawing at her face and stuff. And then she goes to reach into this junk drawer, this scalpel drawer for a scalpel. She drops one. She goes to grab another one, and then he—I don't know how. Like how did he doesn't have legs? How does he force people to do things? He has no legs. A massive upper body strength. Huge. I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. But he just slowly pushes her face down into this scalpel drawer. That's kind of the last you see of it, and then the two nurses who he- hear all this thing, all this stuff going on, they finally get the door open, and Dwayne and Belial have gone out the window, and they look at the nurse, or they they look at the doctor, Doctor Cutter. Her name is Cutter. Go figure. Yeah. And she just kind of she pops up and on screen in front of them, and she's got like four or five scalpels just like sticking out of her face and I just want you scream. to smash She's... your face into like your silverware drawer and see if anything comes up I guarantee <laughs> you none of them will be sticking straight into your face I have no idea how that yeah. went from point A to point B but <laughs> went uh, it went it went real wrong real quick for some reason and she and then she screams like she screams for like 30 seconds yeah which it's is pretty long which seems excessive <laughs> And then finally falls down to the ground. I I thought that one was pretty cool. Um, I think my my favorite kill was the first one. Honestly, I loved the first kill. I the, thought it was really cool. The sound like, oh, like the one right in the beginning of the movie. Right in the beginning. Yeah. Well, well, not the very beginning. The first <laughs> one uh, after he's in the. Uh, it's the first kill of the movie. It's the first doctor. The one that looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> the first kill of the movie is is. One and a half minutes into the no, movie. No, no, no. I'm talking about the first doctor that they kill. Well, that was the first doctor that they kill. It's one and a half minutes. The Steve into the Buscemi movie. doctor that is calling the other doctor, saying, "I think someone's after us." Okay, I'm yes, just that one. I'm just saying, the first guy they kill is a doctor. Fine. Okay, you know what I mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Now I got what um, you're saying. Yeah, the guy who looks I, like a porn I just star. Like, yeah. Yes, I just liked his. I liked his because it was like he didn't really do anything to him. He just kind of petted his face. And then suddenly he was like mauled by a tiger. <laughs> it didn't really make any sense. <laughs> uh, he also ripped him in half, though. He did. Yeah, you don't see with, that. With you don't, what? You don't see that part. Well, yeah, it was that massive upper body. Because <laughs> it just and, doesn't make any and sense. And actually, they say they don't show it for the the first kill, the one that happens like right in the beginning of the movie. But he ripped that guy in half too. Yes, he did. Because Dwayne, Dwayne's kind of sick himself. Cause he goes, he goes to visit these doctors. He's kind of casing, casing the places mm-hmm. to see if like, and so he goes and he shows up to. Uh, this was so this would be Doctor Needleman. Yes. The sec, the the uh, the porn star looking mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He shows up and he he gives him a fake name, and he says, "Oh, I've just been having this chest pain, blah blah blah." And so Doctor Needleman says, "Like, well, why don't you take off your shirt? We'll take a look." And then he. It has that giant scar, scar from yeah. where Belial yeah. used to be attached Which to him. Which just looks like 
smathered peanut butter on his side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really, really, really sound effects uh, on this in this movie. But uh, actually, for the most part, like the other, the other effects, not too bad. No, the, like gore, the gore effects, effects are actually pretty good. They don't make any sense how they worked, but right. like, but they look good on screen. Right. I'll give them that. Um, but Dwayne's kind of Dwayne's kind of sick in a way too because he's just sort of playing with him. Like he oh, shows sure. him the scar, and then he he tells him. He, he, this all happens off screen, but he ends up telling him who he is. And he says uh, something about the first doctor that they killed, Lifflander, I think. Mm-hmm. And he mentions to him, like, oh, you're not going to be able to get a hold of him because he's been torn in half. <laughs> <laughs> so you never see that Lifflander's been torn in half. But, but you the, hear about but it. But then Needleman suffers the same fate, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah, the other the other kill that I really, that I really enjoyed was uh, when they effectively made a battle bot out of like a saw and a bunch of oh yeah <laughs> which doesn't really fit into the movie whatsoever it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh with when they killed the dad yeah yeah it doesn't really make a lot of sense but it's there <laughs> and they did it and it looked cool the the size of that saw blade i was like do you guys do you live in a mill like what the why do you have a saw blade a saw blade that big that doesn't make any sense but they they rigged it up on like a ramp so it's this huge spinning saw blade on a ramp, which is like on knives top, on like top of a, to the side of yeah, it. <laughs> on top of a wheelbarrow, and then the dad comes down looking for him because this is after he's essentially like they take the they take Dwayne, knock him out, knock mm-hmm. Belial out, remove Belial, throw him in the trash. Dwayne wakes up and he goes and he finds Belial, gets him out of the trash, and then they go into the house and they're gonna take their reve- revenge on the dad. Yeah. And they, it's a good thing I know where this oversized saw blade is in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and and it'll only take me five minutes to set up this contraption that will definitely cut you in half first go. <laughs> I love how cheap it was, too. All you saw was his legs. And it was, like, it was just two legs, like, from the knees down, just falling to the side. Like, <laughs> That's a pretty effective way of doing that, though. There's a there's another movie that does that. Same, same, kind, of, same kind of deal, where you don't see the whole... It was... Uh, one of the wrong turn movies. I want to say wrong turn two. Yes. And yeah. he and he chopped. No, no, he, they did. The, they showed the whole body. Did they? Oh yeah. Oh they, yeah, it was a whole body, dude. Oh, is it? Yeah, it doesn't so show the good. blade going through though. I think you see the blade come down, and then it cuts to it cuts to a wide angle shot, and you see yes. her pieces so falling they away. They start at the bottom, and then you know that the guy in front like whacked down basically, mm-hmm. and then as the camera goes up, you see it separate. Okay. So so they 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 showed the whole thing. But without actually, without actually showing, showing the, you the, yeah. the chop. But it's a, re- it's a really effective scene, though. You're right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Same idea, just executed a thousand times better in yeah. Long Turn 2. But if you want to really what up, exec- what up, Joe Lynch? If, if you want to really execute the, the vertical halving properly, Bone Tomahawk. Oh. They did it the best. Ooh. Oh, it's so That's brutal. So... Oh, my God. It really is. Uh, it's one of the best kills, I think, in horror history. It reminds me it reminds me of like my dad trying to remove the uh, the turkey drumstick from the turkey. <laughs> he had to hack at it a couple times because he couldn't find the joint. Oh, God. Sorry, there's vegans in the room. Oh. <laughs> Rage quit. Rage quit. <laughs> we, <laughs> we've been having a, uh, a Facebook Messenger conversation about uh, Michael's upcoming upcoming holiday party. We do a holiday party every year, and we were talking about uh, the roast or not the roast, the tenderloin you're gonna make. 
Justin had to end up rage quitting the uh, <laughs> the messenger. Yeah, fuck that noise. Because we wouldn't stop talking about cooking meat, delicious meat. <laughs> all right, is there any, is there anything else to say about Basket Case? I mean, no, no, no. We've pretty much given you all the all the highlights and lowlights. Um, uh, essentially, they leave you with what you think is a dead Dwayne and a dead Belial. Yeah, well, but, but uh, there are two sequels. There are two sequels. Which maybe one day we'll cover. We'll do the two sequels after. Uh, and and maybe one day if uh, Kevin Van Hendrick gets what he wants, we'll get a fourth one. Yeah. Which would that'd be fine? I will be remiss though if I don't bring up one more thing. Yeah. Um, there is a super super impressive fellow in the beginning of this movie. Yeah. As uh, as Dwayne is walking down the street, he's approached by a drug dealer. Oh yeah. Um, who has every single drug known to man fit <laughs> in like half of a backpack, and I'm just super impressed <laughs> that of of his organizational packing skills that he can have all of these drugs. Well, and he names just them off too. Bag. He names them off. It's an impressive little it monologue. Really it what really happened is. to the day of gentlemen just opening their trench coat and having like 40 pockets in there and they're like, this one, this one, this one, and they just pull out what you want. Nobody nobody wants to risk wearing a trench coat anymore because people automatically think you're a flasher. Oh, dude. Can we start wearing trench coats and we can call ourselves a trench coat mafia? Sure, as long as... Well, you it sounds can. familiar. I don't know if it's a good idea. I think it's great. you got to be careful now because people, classrooms have hockey pucks stored in to fight against <laughs> Oh, my God. I saw that today. That's ridiculous. My wheeziness is going to come off great on this show, by the way. <laughs> yes, there is there is a, a school in our area. That it's is Oakland de- University, it's right? Oakland University that is defending their students by arming teachers with hockey pucks. Teachers and students. You can't make this shit up. This is this is in an attempt to uh, defend Stop. themselves from active from shooters. shooters, active shooters. They're giving people hockey pucks. The the reason behind it was because the guy that came up with this idea said, "Well, when I was young, I used to play hockey, and I remember getting hit in the head with a hockey puck, and it hit real good. It hurt, so I said, <laughs> let's get that.'" <laughs> And Seriously, that's the that's the interview I read, and pretty that's much. that's how I assumed his accent was he's, based he's off not, it. He's not as southern, but yes, it's so, pretty much how it went. Why not a baseball? Something that's easier to throw. That's not. Whoop, 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 through he, the gave, air. he gave the reason. The reason is because a hockey puck sits nicely in a briefcase and doesn't roll around. So it's a baseball. Oh, it rolls around. Or uh, or a, a, a ball of steel. <laughs> or a gun. Or uh, anything. <laughs> I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Michigan is solving the world's problems. We're going to start arming our armed forces with hockey pucks. Yeah. We'll show them terrorists. <laughs> it sounds expensive. There's a lot least expensive things that probably throw easier and would hurt more than a piece of rubber. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're thinking, like, uh, how the rubber bullets work against, like, rioters and stuff. So why not a rubber hockey because puck? that's coming out of a, a late teenager's arm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, if you've ever been hit with a hockey puck, it's smarts. But if you, if a, if a, if an active shooter busts into your room, is your first instinct going to be to throw a fucking hockey puck Can at him? Imagine though, if you actually did save the day by whipping a hockey puck. It, at the guy's it would be head. cool if it works. Then I it's, will I will eat crow here. But it it's seems insult stupid. to injury because if I was the shooter and I got taken out by a hockey puck to the dome by like a like a kid that can't even throw a baseball. Hmm. I mean, how embarrassing! Really? <laughs> you have to live with that for the rest of your life, or or hopefully not. I mean, I mean, that you're just gonna anger that shooter. 
Yeah. He's going to be like, oh, that guy threw something at me. I don't know what it was. It didn't really Who hurt too much. Who threw the hockey puck? Yeah, like, that yeah, really if, hurt, if you and a, now I'm going to shoot you. you if you get a slap it. shot to the head from a hockey puck, yeah, that's going to hurt. Yeah, but people can't people can't throw uh, uh, a hockey puck have, 170 miles an hour. They're going to have hockey sticks behind glass, so in case of emergency break, you get a hockey <laughs> oh, stick. I never, even, I never even thought of that. And then you can knuckle fuck. Knuckle fuck. Knuckle fuck. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> That would stop him too. Oh my god! <laughs> Rage tra- quit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Just train everybody to come up and go knuckle deep into his asshole. Knuckle fuck. <laughs> that would stop any shooter. <laughs> we shouldn't be joking about this. This is terrible. Uh, we'll be apologizing next week for this, probably. <laughs> anyway, before we quit uh this whole thing for life before we before we end the basket case discussion we should probably talk about uh joe bob briggs's story about basket case yes i agree so he uh he was the proprietor of uh of a drive-in what was it called 183 i forget sure i think it was highway highway 183 or 186 or something like that and um um and he was present at the Cannes Film Festival when Basket Case was first debuted. Yes. Uh, and then he went back. He didn't hear too much about it. And then he found out that uh, Frank Henenlotter was trying to get it out into theaters. And he was having a, a lot of trouble getting, getting it into theaters. And what had what had happened was... Uh, the what st- had happened was... <laughs> the studio cut all of the... The studio cut all of the gore scenes out. They basically tried to make it into a comedy. They tried to make it into a comedy. Which I don't think it would work. No, not at all. I don't really see how it would work. It's a little too disturbing to be a comedy, really. Um, How would you do that ending as a comedy? Yeah, I have no idea. And and so Frank Hannenlotter called up Joe Bob, and he's like, how do I, can I get this into your theater? Like, how can I get this in there? And, And Joe Bob just said... You get the studio to put the 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 money scenes back in, and I'll I'll run it sure. at my theater. And so he convinced him. He said, for the first time in history, the studio actually listened to what somebody said to him. They put all the gore scenes back in. Uh, Joe Bob ran it at his at his drive-in, and it ran for the next two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It ended it up running forever. Classic. It became like the midnight the midnight show every <laughs> night for two years. And uh, he actually like he he actually got a little bit emotional when he was telling this story. A little bit, yeah. Because it was like such a huge, such a huge part of what happened. And him and his... him and Hedden Lauder became friends. Like yeah. They've been friends for a long time. It seems like and yeah. Uh, and yeah, the rest is history. But so pretty cool that, that Joe Bob had uh, had a a big such part a huge in that. effect. Yeah, it's kind of cool to think of that. Like this is a cult classic now, and it it might have gone completely differently if he hadn't have told Frank Hedden Lauder to convince the studio to put those scenes back into mm. it. So that's pretty cool. We might not have it as as it is today. Yeah. And we might not be talking about this movie and throwing hockey pucks at oh my shooters God. and stuff. So. <laughs> All right. When I saw that earlier, I literally had to double check to make sure that article wasn't from The Onion. Wait, what? Is this The Onion? I I think it that, was I think it was Brian's brother that posted it, and I thought it was a joke at first. Actually, I just I read like, something. The, the actual reason was for it is that the school refuses to pay for locks to be installed on the inside of the classrooms yeah. to protect against any active shooting situations. So that was their Sounds response. Safe. 
the police I think the police chief or whoever's response to say, Hey, let's uh well here we're gonna do this instead to try to stop a shooter. Well I I watched That seems almost it seems like I watched the actual interview with the teacher though. It was his idea. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't the it wasn't the police's idea or anything like that. It was this guy's idea and they just adopted it, I think. That's what it was. But I think it was like, hey, well you're not what the heck, you're not gonna install locks to keep our students safe. Yeah. So we're gonna do this instead. And and maybe it was a little borderline ridiculous because just to prove the point, you know what I'm saying? Oh actually and now they're using the hockey pucks, I forgot about this part. They're using the hockey pucks as a fundraiser. So they're going to sell the hockey pucks or whatever. They're going to use the sales of the hockey pucks as a fundraiser to install those locks on the doors. Possibly. But and still, still, it seems like, why, like, it seems silly. Like, why don't you just spend the money to keep your students safe? Yeah. Don't make them sell fucking hockey pucks to raise the money. It's just, it's goofy. I don't yeah. know. Hockey, They'll figure the out. doors. Ah. No nope. puns, bezels, puns. <laughs> uh, right. Not too punny today. Okay. So, uh, so that's Basket Case. The next movie we're going to move on to is called The Dark Half from 1993. A little yes. uh, Stephen King adaptation. Uh, directed by George A. Romero. Who? Who? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. I think he's a cheese. Romero. Uh, <laughs> is there a Romero cheese? Romano. <laughs> that's not even close. It's not even funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. This movie really, really, really took me by surprise. Um, so there's, when people think of George A. Romero, they think of the of the dead movies, mm-hmm. obviously, which for for you know, justifiably so. Yeah. Um, but he has a whole other body of work that I think gets the shaft sometimes, and this movie also gets the shaft sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, I, I I honestly think this was probably his hidden gem of his entire filmography. I like this, this movie. This might lot. be my favorite George A. Romero movie outside of like Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead. Like outside of those two films, mm-hmm. I really, really like this movie. And I had a hard time remembering that it was even directed by him because it doesn't look like most of his movies. Mm-hmm. It looks like a standard Stephen King adaptation, which is, sounds weird to say that a Stephen King adaptation has a style, but it does. Yeah. And I think that it has a lot to do with. with the adaptate you're still adapting from the same writing style and so maybe that's got something to do with it right but it really does look very similar to you know yeah it doesn't like it doesn't uh by the way we're speaking of the dark half i don't think we said that oh. maybe, maybe we did <laughs> did we not this say is, that i this think is we the did. dark half from uh 1993. 1993 um it, it it definitely like you said stephen king adaptations have a certain look and feel to them mm-hmm. regardless of who directs them uh, and this and this was no different, but it it also did have a little bit of you could you could see like the underlying uh, un- underlying George Romero flair to it. You know what I mean? In the, in a lot of like the more like gore scenes. Yeah. Yes. The gore scenes and, and how, scenes and how the switch. villain how the villain starts to look toward the end as yes. he's like decomposing and stuff. Like it's, it's definitely a very, it was like George A. Romero if he made Dark Man. That's what that's kind of what it, that's kind of what it looked like. <laughs> Um, which, ironically enough, it's funny that I mentioned <clears throat> of Dark Man because that was a Sam Raimi movie. Mm. There's a part in this movie that reminded me it would have fit 100% in Evil Dead 2. What's that? 100%. It's when, uh, um, and we'll we'll go back and give you the rest of this, but uh, it's when Thad is going through the house in his dream. 
for the very first time and like the clock opens up and it's like talking to him and oh, he sees yeah. his wife with like that weird like white paint on his face like, and, it, and it shatters into the skull yeah she looks like a porcelain doll it or something it felt yeah. very like Sam Raimi Evil Dead hmm. to me at least yeah not even the not even so much the uh, like the imagery a little bit but it was more so like the feel, the feel. of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah definitely yeah, I can 100%. see that uh, so, uh, just a, a quick rundown of this movie is a, uh, oh, it's only one sentence, all right. It really is. IMDb. A writer's fictional alter ego wants to take over his life at any price. It's, I mean, you don't really need more it's pretty than that. spot on, actually, pretty, yeah. Pretty, pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. Uh, so you have it, a... it goes much deeper than that, of course, because it's <laughs> your... Yeah, this movie is, there's layers to this mm-hmm. movie, and we'll get into a lot of that. Have you uh, ever read this book? No, I have not. I've heard it's pretty faithful, though. I, it is. It is very the, faithful. Yeah, it is. There's a there's a few changes, but the I've actually heard that outside of 1922, this is one of the more faithful adaptations to his books. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. I read this book a long, long, long time ago, so I don't really remember a ton of it. But I, <laughs> but from what I do remember, I would I would say that's pretty accurate. Yep. It's pretty faithful. So you have uh, Timothy Hutton who plays Thad Be- uh, Beaumont, also plays George Stark, his alter ego, they brother, s- Siamese symbiote, if you will, parasitic twin, whatever the hell. Yeah, they did such a good job with uh, just like the smallest amount of prosthetic on him. To make him to 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 make him look just different enough yeah. as George Stark. What was the uh, prosthetic? Well, he had like a like a more square jaw. Oh, okay. You didn't notice that? No, because the, I mean, the they very did a good fir- job of making him look super badass. And yeah. I kind of wanted to be him. The very first time George Stark shows up, it, like you almost can't even tell he's being played by Timothy Hutton. When he when he first shows up and he kills uh, what the hell is his name? Um, I can't remember his uh, Homer. Yes. When he first walks up to the uh, to the truck. Yeah. You you can barely even tell that it's Timothy. Oh well, Hutton. they don't really show him. They don't really don't show his face either, though. Oh no, all that much. Oh, you're right. It's not that part. Shit. What what part am I thinking about? They the show first his, time you see his yeah, face, though, I, I like, hey, you, like you don't, you can't even really tell it's Timothy Hutton because they did. It was just, I don't know. It, I don't even know. This if it was, extend, extended his jaw, jaw length. His, just like a his bit. jaw looked more square. I don't even. I don't actually know if it was prosthetic or not. But I. That's just my guess. See, I thought it was like literally by just putting a little bit of makeup on him and slicking his hair back. You think so? And him changing his attitude. Yeah, yeah. there was something different about the sh- little yeah, I mean, bit maybe. different about the shape of his face because he did. He did. This Describe uh, George Stark to Alan Pangborn. Hey, Castle Rock, right? Um, they uh, he described him at one point as being about my size, but more athletic, more muscular. So yeah. it would it would lend to the uh, like the more uh, square jaw. Yeah, you know I, what I, mean? I suppose so. Well, if that's the case, then bravo to the makeup department because yeah. they did a seamless job that I'd never never even noticed. Yeah. So, so you have Timothy Hutton, like I said, playing Thad and George Stark. Uh, Thad Beaumont and George Stark. You have uh, Amy Madigan that plays Liz Beaumont, uh, Thad's husband. Uh, you have Michael Rooker, Rook, as uh, <laughs> as chef, uh, Alan Pangborn. Oh, is that what we do when that's, that's Michael it. Rooker shows up? Um, Rook, James, come here. I want you to look over here. Oh, did you? I want you to look at my oh, notes. Oh, you did. Yep, <laughs> it's it's all capitals and there's five O's. Yep. Um, I love Michael Rooker. Michael Rooker's <laughs> fantastic in everything that he does. Um, anyway, he plays uh, Alan Pangborn, who we've talked about previously on uh, Castle Rock. Castle Rock. So yep. same same character, different story. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. You have, uh, and I think he's he's he shows up in, I think, quite a few. At least there's at least three or four Stephen King novels that Alan Pangborn I shows up in. I want to say there's four. I say the Castle Rock saga. 
he's in needful things it's needful things uh in this this um I, the stand i think he might be in the stand maybe i've never read the stand yeah, i can't remember movie, so. but yeah he he's uh yeah he's kind of a uh continuing character in yeah much of Stephen King's work. So after uh, after Rooker, you have some other play people, other people that play other characters that don't matter. But then you also have <laughs> you also have Beth Grant, Sparkle Motion herself, oh, who yeah. plays uh, Shayla Beaumont. That uh, woman who is Thad's mother. She neither ages nor ever looks <laughs> she, any younger. She sparkles, man. She has always looked <laughs> the exact age that she looks in this movie. She's like Lynn Shay. Yeah. Lynn Shay also looks the yeah. same in everything she does. Yeah, it's weird. They it's, should play. They it's like play the sisters in a movie. It's like the Crispin Glover thing. It's like there's something about these particular actors where I don't know if they sold their soul to the devil or well, something, or but they don't. Crispin either... Glover is is a lizard man. Crispin so. Crispin Glover might actually be the devil. Might there's might a, be. there's there's strong evidence to suggest it. Crispin crispy hellfire. Mm. Right. Right. You yeah. see where I'm going with mm-hmm. this. And uh, glove, er. Or l- lover, lover, G lover, G lover. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Keep going. I got nothing. Okay, so, so okay, this okay. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start because I love this movie on so many levels. Because a, the narrative is just good. Right. It's about a guy who uh, he has a pen name that he writes under. A numb to because poon. he because he write because he writes kind of unsavory stories. Doesn't want his own name attached to it. And but he's really good at writing. Well, them. he hasn't had so Thaddeus Beaumont hasn't had any success with his own writing, really. Yeah. And so he decided to take up this this pen name uh, George, George Stark. Stark and started writing because he was better at writing those kind of. They just came out of him. Like he could write these stories at breakneck speed. He could just release a ton of books. Right. And and, and they're just like these horribly violent, like really dark. Uh, they're 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 crime crime novels essentially. My, my favorite. Yeah, they're crime novels, but they're very dark and uh, mm-hmm. and 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 nasty. Yeah, and it's what people want to read. You and can... so he has pretty uh, a, a pretty huge level of success with this pen name, but uh, somebody finds out is able to is able to still live comfortably under the radar as the Thaddeus Beaumont yeah. with with his family. But yes, then somebody finds somebody out. finds out and decides to basically blackmail him. I'm yeah. not sure if that's a really great blackmail scheme. Uh, I mean, maybe it could be, I suppose, if they really wanted to keep their anonymity, but... Yeah, yeah, it is. It is because he he obviously wants to stay anonymous because he knows not only will coming out as George Stark make him suddenly famous, which he doesn't really want to be True. because he's living comfortably under the radar, but it will also kind of destroy his credibility as an actual... Uh, as an actual author. Sure. Like for this type of stuff that he would like to write. Fair. That's fair. So yeah. this guy, okay, okay. this so guy it's... shows up in one of his classes one day. Cause he's also a professor out of yeah. college and, and, and he says, blackmails, uh, blackmails the shit out of him. He goes, basically give me this. Yeah. He walks up to him with a George Stark book and he says, Hey, you mind uh, signing your book for me? And Thad looks at it and he's like, that's not my book. And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, he, it he shows is. him well, the picture on the back's not the same. He's like, yeah, it's a fake picture and it's a fake name. And I know it's you. And uh, you're gonna pay me some money, or I'm gonna go to the press about this. Yep. So his so his rebuttal is uh, through his wife basically telling him to come clean. He goes to his uh, his publishers and goes, "I'm going to come out, and mm-hmm. I'm going to say that 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 George Stark is fake. Uh, I am Thaddeus Beaumont, and I am George Stark. 
and basically kill that pen name and go for it under my own name. That way this guy can't blackmail me. Right. So that's the plan. So they decided to do this like a, like an official an official funeral for George Stark. They set up this uh, they set up this uh, photo shoot where they're standing in front of a grave with George Stark's name on it and and they're going to officially put him in the ground and then he's just going to move on Which they life. didn't really want to do either. Like They didn't want to kill him. They just wanted to basically say, oh, I'm him and move on. Right. Yeah, this photographer wanted to do this big piece for his own sake. He wanted to have like these big pictures and like, break the news <clears throat> in a very dramatic way. Right. Like, um, little did they know that the character of George Stark... Uh, manifested himself due to a tumor slash brother that was growing in Thaddeus's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can follow that logic a little bit. Well, so he had he had absorbed his twin in utero, mm-hmm. and usually when that happens, there's no physical symptoms. Well, usually when that happens, there's an eyeball growing in your brain with a little bit of a nostril. Right? Or is that not usual? That's not, I don't think that's usual. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually when that happens, because it ha- it, it's actually a pretty common thing in, oh, oh, in, sure, in sure. real life, but most people don't have any any uh, like physical evidence of it or anything like that. But he, You're just an OG cannibal, and that's all there is to it. Exactly. <laughs> but when he was younger, he starts having these terrible headaches, and he would constantly hear the sound of like birds flapping in his ears and stuff like that. And so they did... Brain surgery and found an eyeball. Hitchcock, Hitchcock was just yelling in his ear. <laughs> they found an eyeball. They found a nostril. They found a tooth. They mm-hmm. found a couple other body he had parts. A cavity. Oh yeah, the he tooth had a cavity, <laughs> which meant that for some reason this thing was actually continuing to grow in his yeah. brain. So it's kind of kind of crazy. And they ended up removing that. He went on with his life, but then uh, um, after he. After they kind of laid George Stark to rest, he starts hearing the birds again. Yeah, which to him kind of signifies, signifies yep. that you know the because uh, because this happened when he was younger, it means something about this the twin is still present in him. And this is around the same time when this new character shows up in town, <clears throat> starts killing people, but he looks suave as all hell. Yeah, he's got great shoes. Yeah, great like snakeskin boots. Carries carries like, carries a <laughs> carries a straight razor with him everywhere and like right? slashes he's people like, with it. He's, he's like cool. he's like the the eighties version of a greaser. That's kind of what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's like yeah, he's like a well, he's like a southern, like a southern, like a suave southern dude. Greaser. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> suave southern greaser. I guess so. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so the hair slicked back. I can't mm-hmm. I can't get the hair slicked back out of my head. Not everybody with I a slicked back hair hairdo is a greaser. Most of them are. Oh. Oh, is that accurate? That, 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 okay, that's, all right. That's actually, Never mind. We'll just uh, go with Creaser then. Uh, ba- uh, survey says that's actually 97% accurate. So, <laughs> so survey, uh, survey of one. <laughs> uh, um, so uh, there, was, there was something I... Oh, I want to say this before I forget about it because I know that I will. Uh, this movie, although much more dark, this story much more dark, reminds me a lot of one of the episodes of the twilight zone that we talked about last week which was uh, a world of his own oh where essentially the author could will characters to life Mm -hmm. because he believed in them so much yep and it's that's essentially what this story is because what you get here is it's it's really kind of it's it's kind of fucky it's definitely a very it's definitely a very uh stephen king-esque story 
because like well sure with sure. Stephen King stories like a lot of his a lot of his <clears throat> stories seem to take place in a very real world but you really have to kind of suspend disbelief at the same time because a lot of what goes yourself, on is sort of supernatural but if you allow yourself to do it though the stories are so good oh yeah and then, and and listen Stephen King being one of the most like famous writers of our modern generation is not a fluke mm. he's a great writer mm-hmm. and so even if you have someone like George A. Romero who is adapting it and writing a screenplay based on it it is impossible to get rid of the Stephen King influence on that you right know? Like, you're still reading a Stephen King story. Well, unless you're Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> but that was the fake of Moon Landing, and it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, you know, no, yeah. conspiracies and shit. Yeah, the St- the Stephen King uh, influence is always going to be there. Yeah, it, it's like it's like when you have like a really shitty eraser, and you try to erase pencil. Like that, that first part's always there. Even if you try to write over it, <laughs> you can see those lines still. Like you can't get rid of it. And I think George Romero, though, was such good friends with Stephen King yeah. that he had no intention of stra- straying very far from the original book. Right. So that helps. Yeah. You know, so so King's voice is still very much intact in yeah. this movie. Um, and even and his the way that he writes is so iconic that even the shows like Castle Rock that weren't based on a Stephen King book, mm-hmm. they still feel like Stephen King mm-hmm. because the world that he creates are they're so vivid and they're so dark and they're so they're just they're, his stamp is just on everything. Yeah. Like it's just weird. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre how one person can craft an entire universe that even though a bunch of different people interpret it in different ways, mm-hmm. it still feels like Stephen King. Like you just can't get away from it. Well, and also the fact there's that- been two versions of it. Both of them feel like Stephen King, and right. they're completely different. Right, like that's just bizarre. I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that all of his stories take place in the, like the same, th- like the same the area Alps. of the country, yeah. the same like three towns too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's something to that, like that really bases his stories in reality, and uh, and and give them their own their own particular Stephen King feel. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy this what is, he's been able to do. This is what R.L. Stein was missing. <clears throat> he wrote these totally believable stories, but they weren't all set in the same place. That's why Erie, Indiana was so good. Dude, Erie, Indiana was fucking awesome. <laughs> don't, I love don't, that show. don't you start with me. I love that show. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so where'd we leave off at on the, on the story here? Um, well, so, so, uh, so George Stark shows up and he's killing people, but it's the whole time you're trying to figure out whether or not George Stark is actually like, cause for all intents and purposes, there should be no George Stark because yeah. he's just a made up pen name. They, they almost lead you to believe that it's a split personality thing and that he's actually going out and doing it. Yeah. Like he's on vacation or he's on a business trip for the first two murders. Right. He could have left and done them and gone back. Right. Like, like he seems like he has alibis, but at the same time, the alibis, alibis might be a little shaky. And, so is it actually him just slicking his even, hair back and, even and becoming Thad, this person? Even Thad thinks it's possible. Right. Because what he doesn't realize is that he has this like... He has this weird, like, like uh, tele- telekinetic bond with this character. Well, and he doesn't even know until later in the movie when he goes to talk to the doctor who removed the twin from his brain. He doesn't even know that he had a twin in his brain at and one. it all clicks. So, so he's at, at one point in the movie, he sits down, and the big difference between Thaddeus Beaumont and George Stark uh, 
aside from their appearance and, and the type of stuff that they write is the style or the way that they write, the mm-hmm. medium that they write with. Thaddeus Beaumont does all of his writing on a typewriter and George Stark does all of his writing handwriting with yeah. pencils, yep. with Black Beauty pen, number two pencils. And he sits down and he's editing one of his uh, typewriter typed up uh, manuscripts at one point. And then he kind of, he starts to get like this, the the sound of the flapping in his ears and he doesn't really know what's going on. And then all of a sudden he looks down and he's holding a pencil in his hand and he's scrolled across the page without even knowing it. He scrolled across the page. The sparrows are flying again. Which is one of the coolest like lines mm. ever. Yeah. I love that. I think it's just really, really cool. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's a good term that on its own means nothing. Mm-hmm. But it means like your past is coming back to catch up with you or whatever. Like you can take that in any way, shape, or form. Um, and when you when you deconstruct this movie even deeper, I think it takes on a completely different <coughs> meaning, in my opinion. Uh, what's that? Uh, this gets into King's personal life mm-hmm. while writing the book, which I don't, I don't want to get into that until we finish up with the story okay. because it's two very different things. Right. But um, and and. So when he scrolls out across the page, he has he's completely unaware of it. He just kind of snaps to, and all of a sudden it's on the page in front of him. Yep. And in the previous scene, they call that a stream of consciousness. Sure, much like uh, Stephen King writes. And uh, in the previous scene, you see cops show up, and they what? In the previous scene, you see the cops show up at a at a crime scene. And it's Fred Clausen, who is the guy who was blackmailing Thaddeus Beaumont, yeah. and he's dead. And scrolled across the wall in his own blood is the saying: "the the uh, the sparrows are flying again." Yep. So there's an obvious connection between the murders and Thaddeus Beaumont at this point. And because George Stark is a pen name, once again, you're led to believe that somehow he's committing these murders and just getting back into places, sure. getting getting back home, uh, without. Without ever being caught and without 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 ever really knowing what he's doing, like, which and, is which is that's pretty grounded in reality. Sure, People who sure. have like a, like paranoid yeah. schizophrenia and like even though the guy who was interviewing him in the beginning of the movie from uh, what was it Time Magazine or something like uh, that? Ta- no, uh, it wasn't People, Time. People. Pe- People Magazine. Yep. He even says to him, it was from our intro. He says, you know, uh, you know, I hope you I don't, s- I hope you don't mind me noting that uh, that. Sounds a lot like of what, schiz- yeah, a lot of what you're saying sounds like a classic example of schizophrenia. Yeah, they, they they lay these breadcrumbs to make you believe that it's him doing it, until until you realize that it's not. Right. Um, and then the whole time you have Rook on his on his ass, like just uh, Alan Lang uh, Langborn. That's Pangborn. Not his name. Langborn. Pangborn. Pangborn. There it is. You have you have Alan though. It's pretty much on his ass, following him, being like, "Listen, I want to believe you." But you have to understand that you look terrible. Yeah. Like every every bit of evidence just points to you. There's fingerprints. There's you're not home. You're this. You're that. Like but, but all because, these things point. But to because him. there were because they were friends, he spent his time trying to prove Thaddeus's alibis. Yeah. He was trying to corroborate his alibis rather than trying to prove that he committed these murders. Which, as the movie goes on, though, becomes increasingly harder. harder, harder, Yeah. yeah. Uh, So, so you eventually, though, they do come face to face, and you do realize there are actually two entities, and that, uh, and that Thad basically willed uh, George George to life via this brother. They don't really explain that. 
It's yeah. They it's, really don't explain it all that much. Maybe in the book, it's a little bit more. There's a uh, there there's a there's a character in the movie named uh, Reggie. Yeah. Who's a woman in the movie? She's it's, it's actually a man in the in the I book. I wondered that because she has very manly. I don't want to say manly qualities, but she smokes a pipe. She smokes she's a like, pipe, and she's always wearing a ball cap. Very and stereotypical stuff like that, yeah. man features. But they just grabbed from the book and gender swapped it. Right. Um. Yeah. I think I think uh, the name of the character is Raleigh in the in the book. Okay. So. She she kind of tries to explain it as if like so they took these essentially what were these human remains from your brain, they buried them in your family's grave plot. Yep. And this entity that uh, lived so strongly in your consciousness, George Stark, mm-hmm. lived so so so. Uh, uh, what did I say? Like lived so real in your consciousness that it you used, willed it. Yeah. It, it like. Through sheer will, uh, it used the remains of your brother that had been buried in the family plot to bring itself to life. That and explains the, bl- the the grave. And plot that's that why was when they yeah when they went oh, okay, to the okay. family plot, there was actually it looked like somebody had dug themselves out of the ground. Yep. So it's all very supernatural. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I realized. I I must have missed the part where they buried it in the family grave plot. Mm. Now that all makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, okay. So there you go. So so he is a real person in in essence. Right. He's a real person that has all the same characteristics of Thad, but it's not. It's George. Right. And so from this point on, it's a game of cat and mouse, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, Thad needs to figure out how to defeat George, and people still don't believe him, and it, it's just this big cat and mouse game back and forth. Well, and, and even and it's even, so well done. Even continuing on until like because they still they still. They continue making you feel like it could still be Thad until they tap the phones in his house and the two technicians who had just tapped the phones, he goes to answer a phone call and it's George on the other line and these technicians can hear George talking. Finally, like, so there's oh finally, God, he's yeah. actually telling the right, truth. So now there's finally solid proof that there is another person. Yep. But Pangborn still, pa- Pangborn still believes that it could be or even an, if it, an, an accomplice. accomplice. Yep. Like they could be working together because Which he even says though he goes he goes as a friend I believe you but you like, don't don't stop me from doing my job. Right. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he says to him. Right. right. And I and I totally get that from his point of view. Mm-hmm. I totally get it. Yeah. You know, it's not until even he's proven that there's two people there. Right. You know. Um. As in, yeah. So so it, the the big climactic ending or whatever you know well, they, they meet each other. Essentially, what you find essentially what you find out just to kind of wrap it up is George uh, has become so real that it's now it's he's his own entity and but he realizes that he he can't live by himself like yeah. he he's only alive because he's uh, a part of Thad. Yeah. So he says you have to write another George Stark novel, or I'm going to die. And I'm not willing to die. So it's either it's either me or it's you. Yep. And so he's willing to kill everybody in his life, kill his children, kill his wife to get to him to make sure that he writes another George Stark novel. And that's when it all comes to a head at the end. And it's great the way that it comes to a head. Yeah. Um, I love I, that scene so much. It, yeah. The, the, the ending is really, really good. It's, it's very well done. This whole movie is extremely well done. And the crazy thing is, is that I was looking up earlier, like, I looked up a lot of um, people's rankings of George Romero movies. Mm-hmm. This movie's always at the bottom of the list, mm. and I, I honestly think the this very is, bottom uh, on a couple. Yeah, really. There was one that described this movie as 
being uh, just drivel, basically. What? But it was slow and brooding, and, the, and and but not in a good way. Like, I'm like, I don't think you watched the same movie. No. Because this movie was fantastic. It's, it's people who, it, it's probably it's probably just people who are so, not that it's bad to be into the, of the dead movies, but. They can't separate it. They can, right. Yeah, like, I, like, George Romero, like I said, he, this might be his most underrated film in his entire filmography. Yeah. In my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, you this, know, the same... I like, I like Monkey Shines. I like, you know. Um, the Crazies. The Crazies. Yeah. But this movie, though, is just, it's, it's just good yeah and it was also a bigger studio movie too maybe that had something to do with it maybe that's mm-hmm. why the look was a little bit different yeah but even still though it's him at the helm you know no, like yeah it was it definitely he did such a good job it with definitely this. has it like even though it feels like a stephen king movie it's definitely got george ramiro's stamp on it yep it was so well acted like timothy hutton is amazing in this yep. movie he was so good yep um I mean, Rucker, he's good in everything that he oh, does. Rucker. He, Rook! Rook. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, it, it was a really good movie, and I don't really understand why people would put this at the bottom I, of the list. I really don't get it. You know, you get a lot of the George Romero and the gore, too, because there is a decent amount of gore in this yeah. movie. The very end, especially. Oh, the end is so good. When George is dying, and the birds just, like, peck his shit out. Mm-hmm. And it goes from, like, human to flesh to eyeballs getting ripped out to the skull to, like... They peck him until he's literally cool, nothing. Yeah, and then they just, like, carry his last couple bones off into the sunset. It's such a cool sequence. Yeah. And it's very Romero in that, mm-hmm. in that sense. Definitely. And it, it absolutely works. My other favorite part of the movie is very small. It's a very small thing. What's that? Uh, so you have George sitting at a table. Right? So George Stark is sitting at a table. He's talking on the phone. He's got his feet up on the table, bottle of whiskey next to him. And he throws his foot back, knocks the knocks the fifth of, of Jim Bean into his hand under the chair. Mm-hmm. Goes to, it's like, <laughs> it is the slickest it's move so cool. <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I just absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many times they do that to get it. Because it looks like he actually did it. It, it, it does look like he look actually fake. did it, and so that that whole that I I love that part, but that shot is kind of a winner ending at so, uh, he just stab he essentially like did the the twin thing where he stabbed himself in the hand with a a pencil and Thad felt it, yep, and then they cut back to George and he's got a pencil in his hand and he pulls it out of his hand. He does the cool bottle trick, and then he gets up to get out of the chair. And he's got his feet crossed on the table, and as he goes to swing his leg over the chair, he hits the light above the yeah. above the table, and you know that he didn't mean to do that. It's, I'm, not. I'm sure he didn't mean to do that, but it looked cool just because he's like yeah, he's Heavy drinking, accident. he's kicking. Yep. Yeah, so it's like it just worked in the scene. But like you say, it looks so cool that he finally got the bottle trick down that they probably just were like, yeah, that looks cool too. It totally works yeah, with everything yeah. in the scene. It was, it was it was just a very very slick move. Yeah. I, I want to I wanted to practice that now. I'm gonna go to my house and just spill booze on my floor. You got to get some big ass <laughs> uh, some cowboy boots to I'll, do it I can though. Get some cowboy boots. So you can fun. get that you can get that toe hooked around the bottle just right. You know. Yeah, I'll do <laughs> Can't it. do it in chucks. Maybe or, or could or I? could you? Or could <laughs> 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 Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse you. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, bless you, sir. Um, um, challenge accepted. What? Oh, to yeah. The, okay, con- yeah. Yeah. Practice con- it. Con- conversely yours. You have one week. I don't know what that means. I, <laughs> I have a week. All right. You, you have one week, yes. Okay, so we talked about how this movie, or I talked about how this movie has a lot of levels. 
So this movie uh, was made in 91. It was released in 93, but the novel was written in 1989. Mm -hmm. So this was the very last novel that Stephen King wrote before he got sober. Mm. And this this entire movie is lit. Is it's almost it's not literal, but it's almost literally the fight with sobriety and alcoholism and drug addiction. It really is. It's a split personality. And they even talk about how um about George is an alcoholic mm-hmm. and George is, is a bad guy yeah. and and that and that Thad is a good guy and he doesn't drink. Right. And it's his in it's this fight between these two different sides of the same person mm-hmm. and how it affects his family and how it affects everybody around him and how like even even everything has to do like, every single so, part of this movie is a struggle with drug addiction. It's a Jekyll and Hyde kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's Stephen King's version of Jekyll and Hyde, but it it has to do with the actual demons that he was fighting in real life. It's but it's it's so on the nose though. It oh, yeah. is so incredibly on the nose. Well, to, to even make down it... to where there's like the sorry, I don't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, but like, right. even down to where he had a, a pseudonym in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, he's running under a fake name. Mm-hmm. Stephen King did that. Right. You know, yeah, that's, uh, like Stephen gonna, King wrote I Running gonna... Man, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. He wrote the book that's based off of under his old name. Uh, Richard Bachman. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it, no one. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. Like Stephen King started off that way. Same thing as this movie. Right. Um, and this to 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 put it even more on the nose. This the novel was written as a commentary mm-hmm. for King's pseudonym, uh, and it was kind of his like it like what Thaddeus was doing in the movie with George. Stephen King was trying to do with Richard Bachman. He was trying yeah. to lay him to rest. Yeah. He just wanted to get rid of that side of himself. Absolutely, and it, it, there's even a part in the movie where um, where uh, Thad is he's showing his wife, or he's going through some papers, or whatever, and it shows some of his, his original short stories, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories is called uh, uh, "Here There Be Tigers," mm-hmm. tigers with a Y. That was the name of Stephen King's very first short he ever wrote. Was it so really? it's so autobi- autobiographical. Oh, that was when he was a kid. It was yeah. when his mom was looking at but what he was typing. But it's directly like that's a right. direct relation though to King. Yeah, direct. Yeah, and so you know, knowing that that George Romero, you know, he adapted the book, yes, but he kept everything very, very much as the book is, mm-hmm. very faithful to it. Yeah, you can't help but watch this movie and be like, I'm literally watching Stephen King fight his demons of trying to get sober yeah like that's what this movie is Mm -hmm. and when you watch it with that with that in your head it just takes on a completely different meaning yeah and it's one of the reasons why i love it i love it so much Mm -hmm. you know and and it's so blatantly obvious but it's so well done at the same time that it's not distracting it's not like cheesy yeah it's not it's not cheesy it's not distracting it's not like and it just works it works so incredibly Mm -hmm. well yep you know how how this this other this this dark half if you will affects your family makes them feel like they're hostages makes them feel like they're this and that you know it, it everybody around you all of your friends they start doubting you because you have this terrible side to you like i don't know it's it's very real yeah and um there's not too many movies that in my opinion convey that very well like this does mm-hmm. like straight from the heart from someone that lived it that was trying to get sober yeah Totally I don't agree. know. I, I I just think it's great. I think that it's a it's a class example of using real life to inspire, you know, fiction that is still telling a real story. Art imitating real life, even. 
There you go. <laughs> yeah. I just love it. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. I could, yeah, go, I, I could go on forever about oh, it. Yeah, I just no. think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I love this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in years. And, uh, this is my I first was, viewing. I was happy to watch it again. I had never seen this. This was my very first viewing. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, uh, anything else? I don't think so. Right. I think that I pretty much covered um, everything. I, I do want to know how they got so many fucking sparrows to do a lot of those bird scenes. And they did apparently have like four thousand sparrows on set. There was like in the very end of the the very last scene where the sparrows were in the house. I mean Hitchcock did it like forty years prior, so Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know. I figured Hitchcock can talk to animals or something. I don't know. He's 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 Hitchcock. He's Hitchcock for God's um, sake. they actually did at the very end where all the sparrows were running through the house. Yeah. They actually did empty something like two thousand sparrows really? into that house. Yeah. But they were so cumbersome to the the film crew, they mm-hmm. ended up digitally putting them all in, which oh. is why they look weird. There's only a couple of brief shots that actually show the thousands of sparrows flying around the house. Yeah. So, yeah. what a crazy, how much bird shit you'd have all over you. Oh, jeez, It'd be oh, weird. Oh, my God. Plus, I'm not afraid of birds, but if there were like 2,000 of them like flying right? around my head, that'd be a little freaky. Right? Yeah. So, uh, that it? Cool. That's the guy. Well, uh, let's spin the Wheel of Pizza Death We are quick. not. Why? We are not spinning the Wheel of Pizza Death this week. Why? Because we're going to make an executive decision and already call what next week is going to be. Uh, okay. I, you know nothing about this. Nope. So, roommate Jen is, uh, she's ready to pop. Oh, yeah. Okay. She is She is ready to, uh, to do the deed of the child thing. Bear, bearing? Bearing, child bearing child. Um... That being said, mm-hmm. we have talked about wanting to get her on and do a uh, pregnancy episode. Oh, jeez. There's a few good movies uh, that we have lined up that are good for it. Um, I feel pre- like... I feel Prevenge like... is one of them. I would, I, would, I would say let's do Inside, but I don't think I want to oh. do it. I don't want to do that to her. Ooh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I know Prevenge is is 100% one of them we're going to watch. Okay. Um, and, you know, as far as number two, it'll be it'll be a TBA. It'll be a surprise. I'll put up our little suggested watching thing midweek next week so you'll know what we're watching. Okay. But we'll pick another good one. But it'll be Prevenge and something else. Jen's going to be on the show, and um, she's going to just tell us all about the joys of having a human being inside of you growing inside of you <laughs> so it's getting really close to her time very close less so, than she's so like, is yeah. there a chance that we could have a live birthing <gasps> on the podcast yes the buzzkill birthcast yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's I mean, a, there's I mean, a there's a there's a possibility I'll bring the tarps in the kiddie pool. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say hot towels. We won't even let her call an ambulance or anything. No. Like we're just we're doing it right here, Jen. No. Let's I'm, get a mid- she, I'm a midwife now. If she attempts yeah, to, the doula. if she attempts to call <laughs> the hospital while it's happening, like I will, I will knock her out. Yeah. so that she can't. Right, and then we'll, we'll pull that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Weird. Okay, so uh, yeah. All right, so that's what we're doing next week. Yep, then. That's it. Uh, baby, baby movies. Babies, babies are. You have nothing. Us. I got <laughs> I got nothing. That was awesome. Really, really awesome, Mike. That's a tentative title. It'll uh, it'll be better next week, I promise. Slabies are us. Like slay. Like, I don't know. <laughs> no. All right. So if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on SoundCloud, Instagram, and Facebook at the Buzzed Kill Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at the Buzzed Kill PC. You can also find us on all first, third, seventh, eighth, tenth. And baby streaming services. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all there. Just yeah. find us. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you already did. Congratulations. Yay. You're done good, You can kid. also find us on Grinder. Swipe right. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you want to find Jay Raj. You can find me at all social media at Ocean Recording and also check out www.oceanrecordingstudio.com for all your fantastic audio needs. Yeah, baby. Our, ooh, that's topical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen. All right. Uh, until next week, be brave. Be wild. Be wild. You, <laughs> you still, you gotta stop starting stuff without an actual ending. Cheers, Cheers boys. Cheers. <laughs> Try to have a good night. I've been watching a lot of Coyote Peterson. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>